Hi everyone, uh, welcome to another episode of For the Love of Marketing. Um, today we're going to be talking about all things PR. Um, so thanks for listening. Don't forget to like and subscribe if you haven't done already. Uh, but in the meantime, we're going to get cracking and I'm really excited to welcome this week uh, Devon. Devon is the founder of Siegel Associates who are a fantastic, and I can absolutely stand by that, uh, fantastic full-service PR and social media company based out of New Jersey, Devon, right? That is correct. Good old New Jersey, um, lovely part of the world, and also executive director of the Garden State Wine Company as well, Wine Association, sorry, I should say, uh, which has <laughs> got to be a good thing, right? So, um, so we're going to talk about all things um, PR today. Now, I think for me, Devon, PR has been you know, in the last 25 years, always, always there, always part of, of what I'm doing, but it's such a mysterious, dark art, right? It's, it's, it's one of those things like, um, it's a bit like SEO, very, very different, but also it's one of these worlds you need to engross yourself in. You really need to understand there's a lot of things you can do really well. There's a lot of things you can do really badly within PR, right? Um, so, you know, as our resident expert on PR today, let, let's just kick off with the, with the, uh, the first opening question, right? what is PR, right? I mean, it sounds like a silly question to ask, but there's a lot around what is PR from SEO, from social media. It's changed so much over the years. So what do you think PR is today? Public relations is a fascinating uh, combination of both traditional elements and new technology or digital elements peppered in. Um, I think public relations requires attention to the way that others perceive your brand or your message and ensuring that um, the messenger is adept at crafting the communications wherever they're being distributed in a way that eliminates uh, ambiguity. Mm. I also see public relations as uh, many times a um, a proactive effort, um, although what we specialize in at Siegel Associates is also crisis marketing and crisis public relations. And so using the M word in there, um, public relations, as we traditionally are taught in the classroom, is a pillar of sort of that overall marketing mix. And you're ensuring that your internal messaging is what it needs to be and that the public can see you as the way that you would intend on them seeing you. So that could be just general branding communications as well as um, sticky wickets or, um, you know, pickles, if you will. I don't know. <laughs> I, 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 I the sticky wicket, but um, so I, I love I love public relations as it has been traditionally communicated um, in the classroom. Um, but I'm also a very big fan of the way social media and digital platforms have absolutely um, turned the industry, I think, on its head in a lot of good ways. Yeah, I mean, there's so much that's happened when you think about um, the way digital marketing's evolved over the last 20 years or so um, and, and, and PR in line with it. I mean, a couple of those uh, that spring to mind for me are um, yeah, the, the use of Twitter to uh, position yourself as an authority in a space where journalists are looking for interesting authorities on a specific subject and how they find they were you, know, you might find if you if you if you build relationships with a journalist and you put a good flow of content out in a niche you can get yourself PR opportunities that you might otherwise have had to spend months or even years trying to to build up I mean what what do you think about that what do you think about how um, how marketers could maybe use 
social media to maybe build relationships with journalists or, or, or get good content out there to be found by them? Well, when it comes to the methodology we used to use, you know, decades ago, it involved getting a phone number and then an email address for the person that you're trying to pitch to, you know, looking at the bylines and publications, um, which were all print, um, determining what the editorial calendars were and getting access to the actual people, whether we're talking about producers or, or editors. Twitter and other social media platforms, but I think Twitter is known for the magic of, oh, this individual is a uh, subject matter expert and they're planting a seed out there um, for the, the right avenue to, to cultivate. I think some people on the uh, message creation side, so in the press, they're, they're seeking all the time industry experts to round out stories and understand different perspectives. And so if you're unable to locate the phone number, if you're unable to locate the email address, or quite frankly, if the people that you're trying to communicate with are, you know, have inboxes that probably look like ours, um, it can, you can get lost. Um, your message can get lost in someone's mm. inbox without intention to um, ignore. The messenger. So Twitter is an active, immediate way for an individual to say, um, here's what I'm working on right now. Here's how I can help with your story. You can specifically tag journalists as well. And many journalists are managing their own presence on social media, unlike brands that may hire or outsource to an agency like ours. Journalists are behind the scenes, behind the camera, um, and behind the tweet. Excellent. So I think it's really good way for businesses and individuals of varying degrees in their careers or, um, uh, you know, their um, varying industries to reach out to the right um, journalists across all fields. So I think mm -hmm. it's a wonderful new avenue. Yeah, I think it's, re it's really powerful. I think both in terms of reaching out to journalists and sort of baiting those journalists into you as well. I think it's, it's, it's great social media. I think sometimes Sometimes people think, OK, look, we don't want to be on Twitter because it's a bit of an echo chamber and it's just people shouting at each other. And yeah, OK, it might be less maybe engaging or authentic than some other places like LinkedIn or Instagram, perhaps. But um, it has its other benefits. And I certainly think PR is one of those. One of the, one of the other big trends that crosses over digital marketing and, and PR, of course, is um, is digital PR. Right. And whatever that means. Right. And um, yeah, I think there's um, there's been a bit of a. I personally think a bit of a negative trend in the last couple of years for uh, people to go out there and charge companies X amount of money to do digital PR, right? For link building purposes, primarily to help with SEO. And when really all they're doing is whacking it out on some online service for like five pounds or sticking mm -hmm. it out on the wire and getting it, getting it covered in Yahoo Finance once a month or something like that. It's not really PR, right? It's a very simple service giving PR a bit of a bad name maybe generating a couple of links, but not really doing the, the good work of PR. Mm -hmm. I would imagine you've got an opinion on that. Um, I certainly do. <laughs> tell me your opinion. <laughs> so some of the clients that we've, um, that we've adopted came from agencies that utilize some of the tactics that you're describing. And mm -hmm. um, a couple of the pitfalls include, as a client, if you're not aware of um, what that is, of what this kind of, 
cloak and dagger approach to public relations is, you may feel like you're getting what you're paying for because let's say a story came out on X or a story came out on Y and you can then present it in your metrics to your you know, supervisor or as the CEO, you might not have time to dig deeper than just seeing, okay, title of article and link, just like many consumers do when we also consume the media that you're describing, this Yahoo Finance concept. But what ends up happening is if you look all the way down um, the value chain in whatever it is um, that you're shooting for in your industry, and you're trying to sort of set the stage for a certain geography, a certain target audience, um, uh, certain readability, and I mean, what I mean by that is, if you're if you're targeting some of these news outlets that are just responding to the press releases pumped out on the wire, you may not be reading. You may complete. You may be completely missing the target, the the geo demo target. So even though you could check the box of we got coverage, it may not be the right coverage for your audience. And in that in in that sense, I think what you said is accurate. Where you know those dollars are are basically singed. You know, the, you just burnt a whole pile of Scrooge McDuck money in the plexiglass, and everyone mm-hmm. watch. It is not. It's it's not a practice that Siegel Associates um, believes in. We. We love the service called Harrow, um, help a reporter out, H-A-R-O. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, we do subscribe to that and we get um, notes from actual journalists compiled in a digest every morning and every evening. I think other agencies maybe have it less frequently, um, but we have people on our team looking for specific writers, basically sending out an, an APB or an all points bulletin, like, can somebody help me out? Mm. And as an agency that believes in, you know, giving as you grow in a way, this falls right into the tenants of Siegel Associates, which is we're not just, you know, looking to ask somebody to complete a task on behalf of us or our client. We're looking to actually help with the value chain of public information to make sure that we provide viable information from real experts Um, who we've not only vetted, but who we have built relationships with. So I see help a reporter out more as a relationship building strategy versus, um, you know, pushing things out on the wire, which can sometimes lead to, you know, not hitting the right mark. Yeah, no, I think it's a great point. How is great. I think it's a, it's, it's a service we subscribe to as well. So yeah, and I know it. I know it well. It's very good. Um, so you, you mentioned crisis management earlier, and, and I know that's a real area of specialism for for Siegel. I mean, in, in my career, I've certainly had to deal with a few uh, crises. Um, o- often, the fault of the leadership team have stepped out into a public arena and said or done something they shouldn't have done, or been caught saying or doing something they shouldn't have been caught doing. Uh, often, the way, and you have to come back from that. Or there's been um, your campaign you're running where you've got a celebrity involved and they've made a mistake and you're out of your control, and you have to mop mop up that mess um, or there's been a regulatory error or something like that. There's been a few of those I've seen um, in places I've worked over the years, um, which we've had to do crisis management of. And I'm sure there'll be people listening who have had to, or at some point in their careers will have to, if they haven't already deal with, with a crisis. So yeah, proactive PR is the bit we all, we all think about when we think of PR, let's, let's, let's warm up some journalists, let's take them out for lunch, let's write some exciting stories and get some great coverage in some lovely places. Yeah. Crisis management, not so much fun, um, but arguably more important. So 
let's say a crisis hits a company, what what's the process? How where do you go? What do you do? Mm -hmm. So, in the beginning of my career, I was hired by the American Red Cross, and in the role that I had um, was it was electronic marketing. So it was really building many of the platforms and the brand presence for the southeastern Pennsylvania chapter, which covers Philadelphia. Um, and uh, little did we know, it it was right before Hurricane Katrina hit. So one of my first experiences with crisis inside embedded or in-house um, was watching our organization, which responds to disasters, that is our mission, respond not only to the disaster at hand, but also handle some of the crises that were popping up from a communications perspective. So one of the things that I did in-house was I reached out to the CEO of our organization immediately upon identifying whatever the crisis was. I proposed a solution. Um, I got his buy-in and then I requested um, access and permission to reach out to other stakeholders, not only in the press, but in other companies that were partnered with us or were about to be partnered with us. Um, so after receiving that permission, I then coordinated just traditional you know, project management um, with a couple of stakeholders, brought them together, and then the, the dirtying of the hands, if you will, in the actual messaging and the delivery of the message. I was sort of a more junior person at the time, so my, my role was really to facilitate um, the soup to nuts execution of you know, solving this crisis so that the public was well aware of, you know, who we were, where we stood, and what the solution was. And it was um, a project that we, um, to this day, have a, a remnants of, where we had a lot of tech entrepreneurs who were creating websites at the time, trying to help people who were missing, looking for their loved ones. And the solution was to connect um, Google with the American Red Cross's database so that Google, the leader on search, could then help people missing their loved ones by overlaying their technology with our database. Um, and then it was letting the public know about it in partnership with Comcast. And we created Katrina on demand so that people could see real time what was happening in the affected areas. At the time, digital was not a, as big of a factor, but if you were to look at you know, the, the nature of your question, it's, you know, where do you start? Um, you know, how do you how do you tackle sort of that project? And really, when when do you see it as complete? Um, because it's it's curious. Sometimes with crisis, you're responding to and fielding more of the press than you are with proactive public relations, where you're pushing out and you're hoping that you know you're you're baiting your hook with the right bit of information. Your opener email is just enticing enough, as well as your subject line. But when it comes to responsive or crisis public relations, you have tradi traditionally, um, you will have a lot of people coming to you for follow-up quotes and, and for interviews with your clients. So pulling a little bit away from the Red Cross example and going into more of an, you know, kind of giving my clients the same type of privacy that patients have with their doctors, I can speak in broad strokes about, you know, how you would do it not in-house. So that first example would have been, you know, uh, you, you talk to your leadership team. Um, it doesn't matter who you are at the company. If you identify a crisis, uh, I had a boss many years ago who said, I just want to know as soon as you know that there's a, an issue or that there's a possibility of an issue. 
because then we can pull our wagons together and handle it as a team. Um, insulating a company or your leadership team from something because um, you have fears about the backlash um, for yourself, for your career progression, for whoever's involved, that's very human, um, but also very human is, is bringing a village together in order to tackle whatever it is that you need to tackle. So whether the people watching your program are in-house or if you're coming at it as an agency, <clears throat> it's, the same, it's the same issue that people have. It's, so you're handling an account and you see down the pike that there is the possibility of something, let's say bubbling up on social media as a result of a quote, a hot mic, um, an impropriety, an illegal activity, and you're one of the first people aware of whatever the list is that is probably infinite in terms of what mm -hmm. could go wrong, um, we recommend in advance of signing with a client, well, I, I like in advance of signing with a client, when there's a prospective client, I put a lot more time into thinking about the rabbit holes. So what are the possible rabbit holes that they're not anticipating for two reasons and really good reasons. One is you don't wanna think about the negative when you're building or envisioning something that's, that's beautiful and new, whether it's a product or service. So a lot of our clients, they may have been made aware of a potential issue, but they're probably really sharply focusing on how do we increase revenue? How do we increase traffic? Yeah. Yeah. How do we build followers? And you know, do you have a private account? Do you have a public account? When do you make it a business account? Like all of that. So when you're working in the, the sectors that you are um, an expert, you know, when you're talking to startups, particularly in the tech sector, you know, a lot of what we do is pre-think before the client signs. And then when you go through that getting to know you process, it's not just about developing what's called a boilerplate, you know, the basic description mm -hmm. of your client's company, it's not just about having the social handles correct and someone proving that 1100 times, but it's also about making sure that your crisis response is genuine and human. So it doesn't sound canned when at two in the morning, the, the news about whatever said crisis is hits and your C-suite is asleep and the decision makers or the approval process breakdown within your client's in-house team doesn't exist because wherever they live in the world, lights are off. So your company's lights are always on when you're handling a crisis. Mm -hmm. It's very important to have those responses in queue so that um, the approvals have come well before the crisis has hit. And yeah. I also view a part of what our role is as being um, like the Jiminy Crickets of our clients. So we're well behind um, the person who's in front of the microphone. We're, we're, we're not speaking on behalf of the client, we're helping them speak on behalf of themselves and tell their own stories. As a listener, which I think you and I have been for the majority of our careers, absolutely, and maybe even prior to that, stepping into communications and um, marketing, as a listener to um, people that we have personal relationships with, as well as professional relationships, you know when someone is being forthright and you know when you can trust somebody's words because you can hear in them that they're not as choreographed. And this isn't to say that there isn't thoughtfulness behind the words that we help our clients with. It's more so that once they have the microphone, they are speaking from here. It doesn't have to be 
this huge document, whether they're explaining, apologizing, providing the solution for, sometimes the public just wants to hear, we are mortified that X, Y, and Z happened. We are attentive and diligent when it comes to the response, and we will do everything that we possibly can do in order to help those impacted by the situation, right? The company has to be all of that, regardless of what the crisis is. So it's it's odd to say this, um, but you are championing the honest story so that your client feels good telling it. And that is across digital platforms. It's on their LinkedIn pages. It's in coffee shops when they walk in coffee shops so that they know that they can stand firmly here. And even though Siegel Associates isn't behind them in that you know career builder commercial that I love where everyone's following you on your way to your interview, <laughs> but we are there in, their, in, in every sense of the term because we prepared you for that moment. Yeah, that's right. I think I think that's a great point. I think you know, being able to give people the freedom to talk humanly, but within a framework that they've been guided. You know, here's the road, but walk it your own way. I think that's important. People want to hear a voice. They don't want to hear clearly scripted pieces. They don't want. I mean, a robot can just read that out. They don't want to hear cliches and catchphrases. They want a real person talking to them. And yeah, you know, it's funny when you were thinking about that. I was equating it to. Yeah, relationships and um, yeah, they, how they talk about how some people sometimes you, people just want to hear, you know, I hear you, I understand, I listen, not, you know, this is exactly what the solution must be. And it's very, very similar in that respect. What, one thing, just to finish up, one thing you mentioned earlier on, which I, I think you've, you've talked around a little bit um, during the, the, the chat as well, which has been, I think, fantastic, um, was you mentioned the word crafting, right? And I think that's really important, right? Communication is such a critical area and telling a story is really what um well it's what most of marketing and a lot of life is about to be honest with you um but especially mm-hmm. within pr i mean if you were to just think of two or three just really really short snippet tips on um on you know what, what makes good what makes a good story what should you do or what shouldn't you do maybe when thinking about um how to put your whatever your story is whatever your press release is out are there two or three things maybe you could give us as a do this and don't do that mm-hmm. So I think step one is remember why you started, you know, and and telling the story of why you started with this same twinkle in your eye that existed when you actually started your venture. So um, being in an environment that feels comfortable when you're telling your story, um, not looking at a blank piece of paper or a, a blank screen to try to write it out, but really to talk it through. Um, whether it's with your in-house team, um, your you know your support system at home, if you have to do this yourself, um, and having someone else write or record your story as you tell it. If you get you know stage fright, so to speak, um, with recording, I think you know, having someone else write it out can be very helpful. And then listening to your story told back to you before you even think about the public part of public relations. So start to craft, you know, not only what it what it feels like to share, but also what it sounds like to receive your story back. And um, looking at the words that you use with, with um, a very deliberate eye, because when you think about even the two of us, you know, because we've um, been professional friends for a a little bit of time now, um, I'm very aware that when I say certain things, 
um, that they mean, they might mean something different to you as they do to me. I'm delivering the message with intent and I know what I'm, what I'm trying to say. You're listening to the message clearly, but your life experience, um, your culture, you know, whatever it is, we have to be conscientious of that as we just tell the beginnings of our story to the public because the public hears with whatever ears they have in the moment where they're receiving your message. Um, this is a huge challenge. So mm -hmm. even when developing, you know, going into your second, the second part of the question, which is like three tips or so, three to five tips, your boilerplate, which we mentioned earlier, this is the sort of very succinct version of who you are as a company or an individual, because um, as an author, as you are, you know that telling the story of who you are and why you selected just these few sentences for whatever the media outlet is that asked for your bio and your headshot and right, what that looks like needs to be very tight and every word needs to be deliberate. I also think that the next you know, positive step to take is really to look at the calendar. There are things in the calendar that um, are seasonal for every industry. Um, there are things on the calendar that are traditional for certain industries. So making sure that you're um, very careful in selecting what you add to the calendar and very careful about what you focus on. So you might say to yourself, okay, well, our anniversary is something that um, we want to make sure we address or, or share every year, but is that news? And yeah. so from a PR perspective, we oftentimes um, share with our clients, you know, something might seem so important to you. They may, it might seem so important to your staff and there's a way to handle that with, you know, just like the intranet is different from the internet. You know, we've got, things that are meant just for your in-house folks because they're the ones that are excited about the anniversary and they're the ones that are excited about whatever the benchmark is. Yeah, and that's a really important point. That's something I actually talk to people about all the time is that, is, you know, as you know, in my book, I have the content bubble of the sort of what, what's you know, your company, what matters to your company, what matters in your industry and what happens in the world. And I think one thing that, that I, in my career, I've just seen so, so many times is the CEO, especially if they're the, the founder of a company, is naturally very passionate about every milestone the company hits, right? We've just hired this new person who's come from this amazing company. It's the most exciting hire we've ever had. Wow, it's amazing. We've just won this award of best place right. to work. Oh my God, it's amazing. As CEO and founder, I'm so proud of that. Yes, you are, but no one else cares, right? <laughs> and I think getting that message very carefully across, it's, it's really important to understand as a business, your investors may care, you will care, your staff will care. So it's an important message, but that's not going to be something that gets on the front page of the Sunday Times, right? And I think having a realistic view on that is critical. I think you're right. And I think managing expectations is more than just um, the number of hits that you're going to get or the number of times someone's going to pick up your story or the national and international coverage that X, Y, and Z is going to get. I actually think it's more so about there are people who really do care about X. Make yeah. sure that they know that it's happening. Make sure that when you communicate about it, that it's done with you know, a, a genuine uh, you know, articulation in the areas where they're reading and consuming information. That's a and much then, nicer way of putting what I just said. Yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> <laughs> I think 
good. We're 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 a good uh, duo. So I I also really and I appreciate it and I love the way you speak too. So I also want to say this that um, sometimes when you're able to you know take on that exercise and sort of going into the next tip you can then see your calendar fill up and, and remind yourself that the anniversary type of news is news to these people, identifying who those people are, what publications they read, or what channels of communication you want them to look at. Yep. That's important in this calendar. But the other thing that's also important is if you narrow in kind of who your targets are for pitching different stories, you can also see that your calendar will expand throughout the year in a way that will give you a beautiful cadence so that your story is not just all about this one anniversary, that mm. for this group, it's going to be about innovation in your product or this other group, it's, it is going to be about the new person that you hired, but maybe that's the business journals and it's going to be in the yeah. on the move exactly. section. Not everything is, to your point, front page news. Exactly, exactly. That's amazing. Look, Devin, we're going to have to leave it there, I'm afraid. But that was, uh, as always, a lovely chat. You know how much I love talking to you, and I'm sure we'll talk again incredibly soon. Um, so look, thanks, everyone, uh, for listening. Uh, I think there are some absolutely brilliant um, tips there from Devin. If you do have a crisis or you need some help with your PR, get in touch with Siegel Associates. They're absolutely fantastic. Um, don't forget to like and subscribe to the podcast, and we'll see you on the next episode.